Is it time to move on from a top 15 tight end already? Who is going to be the number one receiver for Daniel Jones? And is one AFC North stud running back about to bounce back in a big way in week two? Plus, the sixth place team owner in the FFPC main event, Greg Mistretta, hangs out with us to talk about Will Fuller's rise, Devontae Parker's status, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts Let's now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. So good to be back. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll discuss the Joe Burrow-AJ Green connection, or lack thereof. A pedigreed second rounder's potential breakout in 2020, and Greg Mistretta will join us to talk about how he got his team into sixth place in the FFPC main event along with some Brandon Ayuk analysis and who he snagged off the waiver wire after week one as well. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Dave is at David Gerzak. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to reach us. If you want to chime in and talk with us, feel free. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. The email is also football at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, Get them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Uh, my best friend and uh, audio engineer Bryce, who many of you met out in Las Vegas uh, this past um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, one week ago, roughly. I'm still trying to get up to speed on what day it is right now. You were here, so you don't have I was, to I was here, yeah. I wasn't out there, so I, I, should, I should be more cognizant of, uh, of where I am and when I am right now. And then our... Uh, Mutual best friend and uh, our mutual friend, excuse me, and uh, producer Rob is uh, working hard tonight, making sure this show goes off without a hitch. Uh, I was talking about this. By the way, Dizzle, welcome back. Thank you. Good to have you. How was Vegas? Good. Excellent, as always. Do you get to see a lot of people out there? I was surprised that, you know, I knew the numbers would be down, but I, when I was hearing about it from other players, I was surprised how many people went out there this year. Yeah, it was about, you know, it was maybe about 40% down or a little bit more than that possibly, but uh, it was great. I mean, everyone who was there had a really good time. It allowed people to feel, you know, a sense of normalcy in drafting again. And then, you, you know, you get to see week one of the NFL season if you stayed out there, and that was outstanding as well. I mean, you just see actual football being played. It was, yeah. it was great. See, you know, the Thursday and the Sunday game. 
Yeah, and the um, the Thursday game, I thought so. Uh, you well, I'm, I I should probably have paid more attention to this, but how did that Thursday game affect Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Because I, I feel like it didn't affect it a whole lot. It did actually quite a bit. Really? What, so I'm going at the one on one in a lot of spots. Uh, you know, I didn't say I didn't see all the some, drafts. Some, I, some he one. did go the next morning in one of the drafts at the one on one. Yeah, I commissioned the main event drafts after that game online, and I know he went at the one on one in a couple of those. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I was. I didn't really. I wasn't paying super close attention to his stats. So then I saw him with the one on one, and I'm like, wow, I'm in the, I didn't even have any catches. Yeah, what do you have? hundred. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like you know, what do you have? A twenty point game or twenty two or something? Like yeah, that? I mean, well, he he I mean, uh, like CMC averages like way more than that anyway. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, like, uh, we we should we should get Robbie Russell on the show because we talked about this was way back in July when he took him at the one hundred and one in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's. I think it was League Number Four. He took him at the one hundred and one, and he said that he was going to do it in, in any league. He had the one hundred and one pick, and I think he had the one hundred and one in a main event. And I think he took him at the one hundred and one. I guess for me, it was a little bit different because you were talking about Kareem Hunt um, two or three years ago, whatever it was, was like a third round pick or like a second round pick, and then he had the big game, and then he was going at the one hundred and one. Right. And to me, that was a big jump. Edwards Alaire was already in the mid first, you know, so it was less of a jump. But I get it. I wasn't going to do it, but I get it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he has no proven history whatsoever of being able to stand up to a, a three-game punishment in the NFL, most yeah. of those 16 games. I know it's the system. I know that Reed loves a one-back set. And they throw to throw to their you know running backs, and that they have Mahomes. I get it. That's all true. Just tough, tough, tough to do. After right now, Dave, as we're we're a game into week two, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is on pace for a zero-catch season. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's crazy how you could bend stats. Yeah, well, uh, right look now. At Barkley's stats and see how you could bend those. <laughs> yeah, so terrible. I think that actually this show's Twitter account retweeted the um, the NFL memes um, shot of the of the weatherman covering a hurricane trying to walk forward, and it said Saquon Barkley trying to gain yardage with this off with the Giants' offensive line, and he was just going backwards <laughs> even though he was yeah. walking forward. Very, very rough. Pretty much what it was. We'll see what if he gets on track this week. Uh, you got to start him, obviously. Um, all right, so I don't really have anything else to say before we get into it. And, Dave, this is always your favorite show of the year because we're not selling anything. Oh, wow. Do we want to talk about the playoff challenge? <laughs> That's coming. In 14 and a half weeks. That's we'll right. The playoff challenge. <laughs> it's be very exciting. You know, you know, it's so far away, we don't even know what the, uh, we don't even know what the prize structure is going to be. We don't even know how many teams are going to be picking yeah. We will be working with football guys again, 35 bucks, and well as having our own. Oh, I forgot about that last year. That was a $100,000 grand prize, too. Yeah, 10,000 teams. Yeah. Well, that'll be cool. And that sold out quickly. So I know that Dodds and Brian are going to be chopping at the bit to raise that cap. 200, 200 grand for $35. How about that? That's possible. Although they, they, you know, Dodds loves really super uh, flat pay structures, kind of like poker yeah. tournaments. Yep. And I know Joe does too, and he said he got a lot of good comments about, I believe, the second, like the second version. So we may keep it at 100 and go really super flat. I'm not really sure. Yeah, so $100,000 to the first 100 finishers. Exactly. Okay, no, that's, that's can't get good. much more flat than that. <laughs> that's, that's the way we'll do it. Uh, I want to thank football guys, as you just mentioned, David Dodds and Joe Bryan, our buddies over there, Roto World, and of course, Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's talk about the athletics report today. Good news and bad news here, and it's mostly bad. Chris Godwin returned to practice today. However, Bruce Arians says he's still, quote, doubtful to play despite returning to practice. Uh, Justin Watson is obviously going to get the, um, a lot more snaps than he did last week. But, Dave, who are you starting here? You know you're playing Mike Evans. Scotty Miller was heavily involved last week. I think he had like 7 for 75, something like that. Um, if Godwin's out, which it looks like he's going to be, are you down with uh, starting Scotty Miller as one of your FFPC flexes? 
Actually, it would be. Scotty Miller is super involved. Brady had been talking him up, and he did nothing to, you know, to dispute that by actually what he did week one, both of them. They, they have a good connection. So, I, I, yeah, I like Scotty Miller quite a bit. You don't like Justin Watson, though, right? No, he just hasn't done much. Even though know, I love the athleticism coming out of Penn, and he was, you know, he's one of those guys. That, oh yeah, he's he was one of your dynasty guys. Yeah, I forgot about guy that. Yeah, out of Penn, he was super. He is super athletic. Um, he, he still has to prove it though at this point. Yeah, uh, and you're, you know, Mike Evans for sure is a no-brainer, right? Yeah. So then the question goes to tight end a little bit. OJ Howard looked good last week, and Gronk was uh was suited. He suited up. Yeah, he suited up. He did. <laughs> my uh, co-host for my local, uh, the two local shows I do here in Northeast Wisconsin, Leo Kuyper Jr., loves him some O.J. Howard this week. Yeah. Thinks O.J. Howard is in for a big, having, week. Yeah, big game. Game it wouldn't, I mean, uh, quite frankly, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You're having um, at home against Carolina, the hapless Carolina defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes some sense. And this is, you know, can you see Brady dropping to 0-2? I can't. This is a total, like, Get well. Not get well, but this is a total. This is like an fu game for Brady. You know, all all you guys who were writing me off after last week when we played against a a Super Bowl contender at their place. I'm gonna put up 50 against Carolina this week and shut all of y'all up. Yeah, that could be a shootout. It really could be the Carolina. I mean the game. Yeah. Yeah, could be. I don't think Carolina. What the what the total on that is? I'm gonna have to look that up. Maybe Rob can get on that. Uh, Moving on, Austin Hooper, Dave. Let's talk about last night's game here briefly. Austin Hooper got four targets. He caught two of them for 22 yards. Yikes. And that was a win against Cincinnati. Now, through two games, Austin Hooper has four catches for 37 yards. And his biggest, at Roto World said this, the biggest contribution last night came on a pick play to get one of his teammates open for a nice game. Um, Baker Mayfield only attempted 23 passes. Cleveland was in control most of the game. But, Dave, he's behind Odell Beckham in this passing attack. He's behind Jarvis Landry. And don't forget about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt, who caught a couple of passes last night, including a touchdown. Are you willing to cut Austin Hooper in an FFPC tight end premium league right now if you need the spot? Well, if I need the spot, uh, I guess. But I would want to make sure I had another tight end on top of my starter. Um, Still a believer in Austin Hooper as a top 15 guy this year? No, no. I no? don't think so. I mean, in fact, I don't think I don't think we were advocating Hooper too much. We weren't. We were not at all. Um, more Hurst, actually, as taking Hooper's place. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, all that stuff makes a whole lot of sense, actually, in, in the fact that he – I think he was always just a product of the system in Atlanta. So I, I think that, uh, yeah. I, I don't know about letting – I wouldn't let him go, though, for another tight end. I would, and maybe if there was some other free agent that you really had to get. Let me pose this to you. We're going to talk um, with, with Greg Mastretta about this in a little bit. Um, C.J. Uzuma had seven catches last night. He's out for the season with a torn Achilles. And now you have? Drew Sample, yep. who also caught seven passes last night. Yep. Joe Burrow t- targeting the tight end heavily. If you can't, I'm going to borrow a Seinfeld line, if you can't spare a square here <laughs> and Austin Hooper is the cut, are you willing to cut Hooper for Sample right now? I think, I think that you could make that argument. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, you know, rookie quarterbacks, we said this time and again, that they love throwing to their tight ends as their safety blanket. Uh, Sample was, uh, I, I know he was drafted fairly early. I, th- I thought he was a little bit unathletic, but nevertheless, he was drafted early. And now that Uzuma's gone, I mean, Sample, he's, he's been in the NFL long enough now that he's, you know, has enough tight end experience to actually play and do well. Drew Sample was, in fact, a second round pick last year, pick uh, number 52 overall. He actually went to Washington. I didn't realize that. Um, who's the other, the guy who is the tight end from Washington, Austin Safarian Jenkins. I oh, think yeah. he took over for Safarian Jenkins there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got 13 career NFL catches, Dave, 
Seven of them were last night. So there's something to be said for that. He's an accumulator, but that's okay. When you're picking up guys like that off the waiver wire, I mean, you don't want to put a premium on those guys, but to get them off the waiver wire, I mean, we'll get into that. Well, I'll I'll pose pose this to you. What do you think he's going to go for in FFPC main event waiver wire leagues next next week? Is he a $300, $400 player? That's actually, I was just thinking, 300 plus. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Tight end premium, man. These guys don't come along all that often, and Drew Sample is out there right now. I would say, though, I mean, there's got to be someone you could cut instead of Hooper. I mean, I wouldn't want to cut Hooper this early. I mean, I really would prefer not to. So hopefully you have some other crap on your roster. Some schlub? Yeah, like a second defense or something. Yeah. uh, yeah. You shouldn't be rostering a second defense. Well, I mean, I take that back. Maybe you should be. Uh, I don't know. I don't play FFPC. I just talk about it. And why you listen to me, I don't know. But uh, you can listen to our, our guest, Greg Mastretta, who's coming up here in about three minutes. Um, keeping with that game, A.J. Green got 13 targets, Dave, last night. He caught three of them for 29 yards. Oof. <laughs> All right, so this is bad. So the first play of the game, I don't know if you saw this, but he kind of fell on the football. And I don't know if that just didn't get him, you know, he wasn't right for the rest of the game. But certainly there is no chemistry between Green and Burrow right now. And Tyler Boyd went for like 7 for 73, 7 for 72, somewhere around there. And a touchdown. And a touchdown. Drew Sample, obviously we just talked about him, seven catches. I'm just looking at A.J. Green right now, dude. and, And, you know, if you drafted him, you probably drafted him as a flex. I don't know if you can flex him out until you see something at this point. Yeah, I think you know you did probably draft him thinking he was your number four, number five ish type receiver. Yeah, or maybe a maybe a number three, but yeah, I agree. You four, four, yeah, I think is Joe Burrow threw the ball sixty times last night. AJ Green had three catches. Yeah, think about that. That's pretty brutal. I mean, just just incredible that that um, that they were not able to in a game that you know was a t- total perfect game script for your number one receiver. And they just could not connect for whatever reason. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you watched the game or how much of the game you saw. He did not look like it. He just looked like the type of player where injuries have taken a toll on him. Well, I mean, I, I know Tyler Boyd did not have a great week one, but his week two, and I know some of that was garbage time. His week two was quite good. We were saying to take Boyd over Green all preseason. Yep, we were. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if it proves to be correct, but after a couple of weeks, I, I, feel, I still feel better about Boyd, the younger, less injury-prone player than I do A.J. Green. And the guy they extended, by the way. Correct. You know, the, the guy they're already paying a lot of money. They, they franchised A.J. Green this year. Boy, that's looking like a mistake. Um, at two weeks, we'll see. But um, my buddy El Grande, who you know, was telling me he picked Joe Burrow as his backup quarterback in one of his leagues. And I told him not to because it was in the mid-rounds. I'm like, yeah, you can get him later. And he is all aboard the Joe Burrow train. And it's because he doesn't think Cincinnati's defense is going to be able to stop anybody this year. Now, bear in mind, Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels, who are the foundation of that rush defense, were out last night. So Cleveland could basically do whatever they wanted. And um, that forced Burrow to throw from behind. Not, he's not going to be throwing 60 times a game. And quite frankly, the way that he was getting battered uh, in back of that offensive line, he's not going to be able to be upright to throw 60 times a game going forward. But there's going to be a lot of positive game scripts for Drew Sample and um, Tyler Boyd and, to a certain extent, A.J. Green going forward. Maybe not that great for Joe Mixon owners, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, how many catches do you think Mixon had? He had four, he had for, four, for, 40, four for 40. And I think almost all that was in the first half, which is really weird because Giovanni Bernard is getting a lot of run in the second half. Well, yeah, if they're playing that, you know, the passing – they come from behind offense, and that's Geo's territory. Right. Really. So, yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. 
And that that's always been the, the issue with Mixon is that he plays in a crappy team. So you, you're, if you're losing all the time, you're not going to have many second second half rushes. You're going to end up with like eight for 30 games sometimes. And look at that division they play in. Baltimore, Pittsburgh. You know, Cleveland dominated them last night. Yeah. It's going to get worse before it gets better, mixing owners, <laughs> myself included. Uh, we got Greg Mistretta, the uh, sixth-place team in the FFPC main event, coming up in just one minute. Um, I do want to try to throw this riddle at you, Dave, because I'm wrestling over it. Dale Lolly on Twitter reported today that James Conner was not only a full participant in yesterday's practice, he was a full participant in today's practice. He's not even listed on the injury report. Um, James Conner pretty much did not practice at all Wednesday, pretty much did not play on Monday, and Benny Snell rushed for well over 100 yards in his stead. So how do you handle these guys going forward, Dave? You know, I, as a Conner slash Snell owner, I, was just, I always root for one of them to be out every single week. They're both going to be active this week, and I don't know what to do. Um, obviously, I feel almost no confidence in playing Benny Snell this week, but I don't have a lot of confidence in Connor because Snell was great last week and we might see a timeshare. And I'm not sure how to handle this uh, as far as fantasy goes. Uh, is Connor a running back too? Is he a flex? How would you handle this if you owned either or both of these guys? Let me just say something about James Connor. All right, go ahead. Um, was it how many games he's left early over his career? Because he's, it's been know, a lot. The last good game he had in his career was October 28th, 2019. Okay. About a year. About a year. 11 months. Prior to that, you're going back to 2018. I mean, he sucked. <laughs> Every one of his games before that, I mean, it was, okay, so I'm going to go backwards from week seven. Week seven, 23 for 145 and one touchdown. Going backwards, 16 for 41, a touchdown. 14 for 55, a touchdown. 10 for 42, he'd have eight catches for 83 yards and the receiving touchdown. So week four, I'll give him that it was good for fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. 13 for 43. 11 for 33, 10 for 21. The guy averaged, like, you know, those first few weeks, garbage. It was terrible. I mean, ah, man, awful. And, he, and by the way, when he had that huge game, he was playing at home against Miami in a 27-14 victory. You know, they, yeah. they crushed him. Yep. So, anyway. What I'm hearing you is say is suck. sit both of them, right? Well, you know, actually, I, if I, would, I would probably maybe start Snell. I, I, I don't, Over Connor. I would really? consider. I just okay. don't. I do not trust Connor. Have a good game. And then maybe I'll talk about starting. We talk about my YMCA basketball league, Dave, uh, in, oh, on yeah. this show before. Okay. We, we're not playing, obviously. We haven't played in some time because of COVID. But um, my point guard, our starting point guard on that team. There's been one long minute that our guest has been waiting. I know. We're gonna, I'm going to end this pretty quick. Religiously drafts James Conner every year and then religiously laments the James Conner pick every single year. He usually checks his fantasy team at halftime. We play on Sunday nights. Checks his fantasy team. He's like, I am done. I'm never drafting James Conner again because he's always getting hurt and leaving early. Yeah. A collarbone, a knee, a hamstring, a concussion. It's yeah. one thing after the other with this guy. Yeah. Sometimes so, in there he has nine rushes for nine yards. He's just terrible. <laughs> or, or four catches for three yards. You know, that, that happens Whatever too. Yes. Um, okay. So your answer is you don't trust Conner. You might start Snell as a flex. Snell if desperate, yeah. Okay, Snell if desperate. Uh, we are going to pose questions like this to our guest right now, which I want to get to, ladies and gentlemen. I want to welcome him on uh, to the HSFF Hour. 30-plus years of fantasy football experience has banked more than twenty-five grand, eight straight years in the high-stakes space. He may be due for even more this year as his team already sits in sixth place overall in the FFPC main event in the chase for a half million dollars. Please welcome into the show, Mr. Greg Mistretta. Greg, welcome into the show, man. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Gentlemen, how are we? 
We're doing good. We're excited to talk to you. So I know it's I, I know it's week one, man. But you gotta love seeing your team that close to the top of the leaderboard, right? Uh, it feels good. It definitely feels good. I want to talk more about the YMCA league. <laughs> you know, we we got a good team. I mean, I mean although how, I am how probably end with that. How did you end with that? You left me hanging. <laughs> we've got we we actually ended we we've played in we usually play in three leagues a year and our last uh, um game we played we won the championship and we expected to you know we took take two weeks off and then get going on the next league right away and then they were canceled and they have not been rescheduled yet so we're we're i guess we're champs a little longer than we thought which is good. Um, but, you know, we want to get the competitive juices going. We want to get out there and compete like you're doing, too, in, in fantasy football right now. And, and certainly uh, it, it was a good week one for you. You know, scores were down across the board. You still ended up putting up over 200-plus points. And, and I'm just curious, you know, I, uh, we're, we're going to talk. I, w- I want to get into your job because I think it's pretty interesting here in a second. But putting up 200-plus points week one, did you go back and look at your draft and say, wow, this team could be pretty special this year? You know what? You know what? It's it's actually the opposite. I think I have some other FFPC teams that I think are much stronger or much deeper. Um, I, I don't normally construct the lineup the way I did, except for the fact that I was playing in the FFPC. Um, reason being is I would normally not pull a Kittle Kelsey move in round one two, as attractive as that looks. But in this particular league with a point and a half per tight end, my whole roster was kind of constructed differently. So you'll see I'm real thin at RB, but I was able to put a lot of other good pieces together that I target often. And, and um, some of them did shine a little bit on week one. So before we talk about, I want to get into roster construction and some of these guys. So tell the listeners, what, what, before we get to that, tell the listeners what you do for a living. Because I think this is a, a fairly compelling job, very fascinating stuff. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool gig. I own an entertainment production company. We do a lot of private events, uh, you know, uh, social events, things like that. But we do a lot of corporate work, a lot of branding. And, and in doing uh, this entertainment field, uh, we got heavy on the production side where I do uh, video walls and lighting rigs. And I do some work for the PGA Tour. It's kind of geared into sports a little bit. I work for the Philadelphia Eagles in particular. We, uh, we provide them with a DJ and sound system. Uh, we even make uh, play mixes for some of the teams in the NFL. We make that uh, for some of the teams music-wise, uh, for the players on the field. Uh, we hosted uh, an event at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in Minnesota. Um, so we do some lighting and production, some interesting stuff that, get, that I love and be live at uh, events that people would love to, to enjoy. So it's a pretty good gig. Yeah, for sure. That was super cool. Yeah. I don't have any good questions for that. No, that, I mean, it's just that my head's swimming <laughs> so after that. Yeah. I have nothing I can ask, but it, that sounds super awesome. Actually. Yeah, for sure. All right. One thing I can ask about is your 10th round pick, Darius Slayton. He went pretty crazy in week one, 28 points. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard had gotten talked up all preseason, but Slayton really uh, looked fantastic. How likely do you think it is that uh, Slayton becomes the bona fide number one receiver in that offense this year? I mean, how likely? I think it, it's very clear that he already is and, and, and has been. I mean, the guy's played 15 NFL games, I think. He has 10 touchdowns. Um, to me, it's, it's you know, Sterling Shepard's just another guy. Um, and, you know, Golden Tate, you know, great career, hamstring, when's he playing? Uh, you know, the connection is Daniel Jones and Slayton. My only concern was the number of targets because the big plays was not the concern. But, um, you know, was he going to get nine, ten targets a game? If that's the case, I mean, Slayton's going to have a huge year. 
Um, if, if he gets a target, you know, 10, 10 targets a game, uh, that guy's going to have a monster year. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Like, whatever Daniel Jones targets, it, the Giants are going to be throwing. And, and if he feels like Slayton is his go-to guy, then Slayton's probably going to be close to a top-20 receiver this year with all the targets he's going to get. So I'm totally on board with that, especially after what we saw on Monday night, too, against Pittsburgh. Um, I, speaking of receivers, it was a tough situation for fantasy owners who own Cortland Sutton, and I'll lump myself into this. You, you had to kind of play it safe. And, and sit him because he was a Monday night game uh, this past week against Tennessee, and you couldn't risk the zero. He ended up not playing. It's looking better for him this week, Greg. Is he going to find his way in your starting lineup this week, or are you still waving the yellow flag on him and just giving him one more I, I week mean, coming first, off that injury? So much to say on that. First of all, I own so much Sutton. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Sutton owner. I own a lot of stock in him. Um, and I ran into that problem with him and Slayton on Monday night. Uh, luckily, I had Slayton on the same day, so I was able to um, kind of wait it out on Sutton. And when I knew he wasn't playing, I, I threw Slayton into the lineup. Uh, I didn't have Slayton in every starting lineup to begin with. Um, but, um, no, I, I mean, there's no way you can put him in a roster this week. It's it's impossible. I mean, with the reports, the kind of injury it is, uh, his lock did not look good last week. I, I mean, I have faith he'll turn that around a bit, but – uh, no, I don't think there's any way you can comfortably start Sutton this week. Oh, your guy, Jerry Judy, looked all right last week too, Dave, too. I, I mean, it's not even a, a you know, it's, it, there's a non-zero chance of Jerry Judy outscoring Cortland Sutton on a per-game average this year. That could happen. Yeah. Could happen. Looking good. Oh, he on. does. He, he, I, well, you never know. I mean, like, listen, I own a lot. Of, I mean, maybe no I don't way. own as much. I don't, I don't, maybe I don't Judy, own Judy, as Judy much. Judy's hold the ball in his hands. that's the thing too is like judy can always get open but can he squeeze the ball um i own a lot of sutton like you uh greg probably not as much sutton uh and i I really want to believe in in him um i just i don't know and i was pretty sure that that sutton would be the guy to own at the start of the year i i still kind of believe that um but i'm at least allowing for the possibility that that uh, that judy could outscore him yeah Uh, for sure i mean we are one game and one guy it's one game and one guy didn't play yet i mean it's it's i mean that's not that to me sutton is a monster i mean if you looked at him last year his i mean his frames body control he's a he's a big play receiver and 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 he was money i mean look look at how he played for really all last season and and um, you know, I have no doubt if, if Drew Locke can hold up his end of the bargain, uh, there's a lot of fantasy points to be had. Yeah, and there's chemistry him, between him and Locke, too, which is something to, to, uh, to talk about. Uh, good chemistry between uh, a receiver in a new place uh, in Arizona this past week, too, Dave. Really caught me off guard with, uh, with Hopkins and, and, and Kyler Murray. But there's a void in Houston. And uh, obviously, Greg believes there's, there's an answer there to that void. Yes, you drafted Will Fuller over some of the other options for Deshaun Watson. So as far as Texans receivers go, and, you know, Fuller's got the injury history. Why did you believe in uh, – you, you had to believe in Will Fuller. Tell us why. I mean, you guys are good at your job because that's the lead right there. I mean, with Fuller, it was just a matter of who else is there. I mean, I've heard, I've heard the Kenny Still story too many times to count. Uh, Randall Cobb, 78. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's what he is at this point. I mean, uh, he, he, he plays his role well, but – Brandon Cooks never stays on the field. Um, so to me, it was, it was clear that you showed whenever Will Fuller managed to be on the field, which was almost never, but when he is, I mean, Deshaun Watson peppers him with bombs. So, you know, the quarterback links up with the skill set of the receiver in this case, 
and it's kind of like the perfect storm. Um, you know, to me, Wolf Fuller's not the kind of guy that, that you know, he's not going to get off press coverage like another typical X receiver might, but, you know, his burst, his speed, I mean, he's got, you know, body control, he creates separation. It's kind of like a Robbie Anderson that I have in my lineup. He's a, the kind of receiver that you're, you know, watching him in space and say, how the hell does this guy get that open? Um, and, and so to me, Fuller was a no-brainer paired with Watson, uh, especially looking at what else they, they uh, owned in, in their receiving core. Hey, let's talk about Robbie Anderson here real, real quick, Greg. And we're talking with Greg Mastretta, the uh, sixth-place team in the FFPC main event after one week of play here. Um, I know you drafted him, um, so you obviously like him, no question. Um, I don't know how you feel about his, you know, his season-long prospects. What are you sort of expecting him um, for the entirety of 2020? Are we talking about a 60-70 catch season for him, or is that being a little too aggressive? Are we talking forward? Well, going forward, yeah. Yeah, I think so, for sure. And and so then you obviously don't like Curtis Samuel at all then. This is this is a DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson passing attack, right? I'm not a Curtis Samuel fan, nope. I'm not even a giant DJ Moore fan. I'm not saying Robbie Anderson. Oh, I don't know if Robbie Anderson will catch any balls. I thought you were talking about Will Fuller. Um, um, oh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 like, I like Robbie Anderson's skill set. He was just lost on the future Jets. And I, you know, when you see him play, I like his game. I do, and um, I actually think he's the best receiver in Carolina. Yeah, I do. Greg, you had drafted in the fifteenth round, in the fifteenth round of this uh, main event draft here. Uh, you had selected Aaron Rodgers. You waited on quarterback. You, you end up getting him uh, in this draft in the 15th round. He obviously electrified fantasy owners who started him, yourself included, here in week one. I'm just kind of curious, is this going to be a big-time season for Rodgers, given what we saw in week one, or do we need to throw caution, you know, throw up the caution flag here a little bit and pump the brakes? Like, look, it was a battered secondary. Um, everything seemed to be going right. How do you feel about Aaron Rodgers going forward this season after what we saw of what he did against the Vikings? You know, I kind of sit in the middle. I, I just I tend to draft quarterbacks very late. I have some that I target uh, from, you know, round 10 and below, round 12 and below. Um, and Rodgers was just slipping that late. And, and uh, you know, at some point you have to pull the trigger on him. But I think he will. I think he'll sustain. I, I think he'll certainly have a better season than last year. But, I, I you know, I think everyone needs to somewhat cool their death after week one. I mean, things look awfully rosy through that uh, one or two week prism and, you know, take things over 10 weeks, but I expect them to have a good season and certainly to be a valuable 15th round pick for sure. You never want to overrate anything after one week of play, Dave, but sometimes you, you need to kind of plant your flag on certain waiver wire calls when you only have one week uh, of analysis. And there was a couple of guys that Greg took advantage of here uh, after one week of play guys that I think outperformed expectations, the running back, especially, I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, what, what your thoughts are, Greg, here on how you feel Barber, Peyton Barber is going to do the rest of the season. And then Demarcus Robinson as well, a guy that, that really um, stepped up over McCole Hardman in week one. Yeah. You know, that, 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 First, I'll talk about Barber. I mean, I, I really don't have much interest in him. I had no interest in him pre-draft. Even picking him up off the waiver wire was very questionable to me. But as I alluded to in the beginning of our call, 
Um, you know, roster construction is really where I was a little bit different here, having Kittle in the first round. And, w- and when you draft Kittle in the first round with 10, you come back with Hopkins. You know, you're first drafting a, a running back in round three where I took Carson. So, um, you know, from there, you had to go a little bit earlier on a, on a Zach Moss, on a whomever else to kind of try to, to, to bolster your lineup and give you enough running backs to play. So I'm just very thin at the position. And if you have dead roster spots, that's the first thing I would recommend to fantasy players. I sometimes look at people's rosters and I'm like, why do you own him? I mean, DeAndre Washington's not even <laughs> in the league anymore. He got dropped. You know, they have players on their roster that's dead space. I think I was actually drinking a scotch at the end of the FFPC draft, and I didn't realize round 20 they auto-drafted me the Minnesota Vikings, um, and, and I thought I was maybe done. Um, and, and so, you know, you got to get dead roster space off. So Barber was viable. He had touchdowns. It's a, you know, you, you, you can't have a dead space on your roster, and when you're thin at RB, you would be negligent uh, not to pick them up. Also, too, uh, both of those players I bid pennies on, uh, yeah, $20 respectively. Right. Um, so, so, you know, everybody else put the big money on all the other hot picks of the week and spent half their waiver budget. I spent 40 bucks. So uh, to me, uh, the more interesting guy is Robinson that you spoke about. And I, I expect Hardman. I, 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 I don't own him much, but I, I targeted him. He went. I mean, to me, that guy's kind of electric, and I, I, I don't quite understand the usage. Um, but Demarcus Robinson, whenever he's played, he seems to play a role for them. If you look back last year, he had a couple of those games out of nowhere that were big games. And I like owning an offense. Uh, you know, I want, I want the Patrick Mahomes offense, but I don't want to pay the price. Um, guys like Tariq Hill, who I love as a player, electric. I mean, get 70 receptions a year. You know, he's not targeted 140 times like a Michael Thomas. So, um, you know, so for there, I'd, I'd rather own cheaper that other guy. I also think there's something to like, you know, handcuffs on really, really good teams. So I have no, no faith in Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill making it through a full season uninjured or, or off of an NFL discipline policy or something of that nature. And, <laughs> you know, so to me, Demarcus Robinson, based on the usage I saw week one, he should be owned. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with him, but he should be owned at this moment. Um, you know, but I, I remain flexible with my rosters and, you know, that, that can change awfully quick. Yeah. And, but, and uh, first of all, I agree with everything you're saying about Robinson too, uh, for sure, Greg. And I'll say this about Barber, say what you will about his yards per carry, but dude got volume and dude got in the end zone and you're paying 25 bucks out of a thousand dollar waiver buyer budget, you know, to, to get him. So I, I think you can spend your money in a lot worse ways than acquiring Peyton Barber for, for essentially, you know, nothing. Um, I want to get into the current especially event portion. When you're thin at, especially when you're thin at the position. You know, if you know your roster makeup, that's where I'm hurting. So, you know, for me, exactly. it, it became almost a necessity. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're going to get into the recent uh, happenings in the NFL that took place last night. I want to talk to you about the Bengals and Browns here, Greg. Uh, C.J. Uzuma, he caught seven balls last night and then tore his Achilles. It totally stinks for him and anybody who owned him. Um, but with the, every time a door shuts, a window opens, and that window is now open for opportunity for Drew Sample, who caught seven balls as well. How crazy are you going to go for him on the waiver wire this upcoming week in the FFPC, knowing it's a tight end premium format and that this, this dude you know, put up double-digit points as a backup in week two? Again, my good friend, you lead me into the answer. Uh, you know, just based on the format of this league, based on the 
unpredictability of tight ends after your top two or three or four players in the position. I mean, how do you not, right? I, I, I can't believe it. I'm usually not a shiny new object kind of guy, but uh, Burrow looks amazing. He's checking it down all day. That offensive line is horrific. He's going to be throwing for his life five-yard passes to that guy, it seems like, all day to me. Um, and I, I don't know. It's crazy. It, it, it's rare that I know that little about a player and I'm that willing to uh, throw him on my roster, but I think I'm actually going to take a, a, a pretty heavy swing at him uh, based on the format of this league and the premium of tight ends. And keep in mind, I have George Kittle. So, um, you know, that, that, you know, he's out this week or, or, you know, that, that whole debate, I, I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think on both of those? What do you guys think on, on Kittle? If he's playing or he's playing them, uh, regardless, it, it's just a, just a yes. Uh, I don't know. Well, for for me, what the you know, I, I okay. So I, when I heard the news that Kyle Shannon said, yeah, he doesn't have to practice. I I feel optimistic that he's going to be out there on Sunday. That almost never happens. So I was kind of like, okay, that he's not playing. And then I think I could be wrong, Dave. I don't know if you checked this or not, but he is officially out. Five hours ago, ruled out. Officially. Ruled out. Okay, so he's not playing this week uh, at all. Now, even okay. So the thing is, I guess if he was active on Sunday despite not practicing all week. The deep yawning chasm between him and the rest of tight ends, I think I probably would have played him. But now you have the decision made for you, Greg. You, you can just sit him pretty easily and, and go with your backup there. What's your, what's your thoughts on Sample? I like him quite a bit. And, and, this is a, I, and I'll say this. Some of the conversations I've had with high-stakes players, uh, they were heavily in on C.J. Uzuma this year um, because of how cheap he was in best ball leagues and you could get him cheap at the end of main event and football guys drafts um, to, to see him have the outing that he did not only catching a touchdown, but targeted in the end zone in another um, opportunity in the second half where he got called for the offensive pass interference. Many people are very excited about him. Now he goes down and you already know Burrow is targeting the tight end and he's got a former second round pick to target there. So I think you're talking about a potential breakout there in getting samples. So I really like him this week. David, what did you say before? $300 on the waiver wire? $400 somewhere in there? Yeah, you said three to 400 and I thought that actually seemed about kind of reasonable. You have some proof of concept with Burrow, like you're saying. Yeah, I, I just, you know, and, and with A.J. Green really struggling to build a connection, there was no struggle to build a connection between Drew Sample and Joe Burrow uh, last night. Uh, so I think that that is established already. I love Sample going forward. Dave does too. I'm, I'm with you. All right. Yeah, that's, that's the three Sample fans here on the High Stakes Fantasy <laughs> Football Hour tonight. Uh, Dave, let's shift the uh, conversation over to the New York Football Jets. Greg, you're obviously a bright guy, so we need some of your genius here. Give us the, the best fantasy play this week for the New York Jets without, <laughs> you know, Le'Veon Bell and Crowder are both out. Thanks. Oh, God, is that atrocious, <laughs> huh? Is that really something? I don't know. I, I, Curtis I mean, obviously there's only There's obviously only one player. The only, the only guy you can't play is Herndon. Um, and, and, you know, actually might be a sneaky good play. I mean, he's going to get – probably 8,000 targets in the game for a total of 47 yards. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, the target should be there in a tight end premium league, and it's actually a probably decent play for this week. Beyond that, you can't even look at the roster. The uh, Jets are seven-point dogs to the San Francisco 49ers this week. Um, who would have thought that the 49ers and Jets are going to get together? And... It's a revenge game for Gore. Uh, yeah, that's the, <laughs> I was going to say that, too, because Gore is going to – Gase has already named Frank Gore the starter, which probably means he's going to get three carries 
and then LaMichael Perrine and Kalen Balazs are going to uh, team up for like 25. And Josh Adams is there, too. Oh, Josh Adams. I, forget. I actually picked him up in a bunch of leagues this week, yeah, too, yeah. For, for super cheap just because of his pass-catching ability. We'll see what happens there. Hey, some emails here for you, Greg, um, that, that came in from listeners that I, I want to see if you can answer them tonight. The first one is coming from Doug in Baltimore, and he writes... If George Kittle is inactive, well, spoiler alert, he is inactive. Uh-huh. Is it the wrong play to start Brandon Ayuk? He is next up after I lost Michael Thomas in week one. Doug in Baltimore, thank you for the email. What about Brandon Ayuk? You know, Waskai was in the chat room tonight talking about Brandon Ayuk, too. Is, is he a guy that you can flex out in FFPC leagues this week, despite him never starting a game in the NFL before or even playing in one? Yeah, it'd be a hard no for me. Uh, you know, I'd have to see, see him playing an NFL game first. Uh, you know, I think Bourne actually is a is a relatively deep sleeper. Actually, might be unowned in in, in a lot of leagues. Um, and and Bourne is probably the best receiver that San Fran's throwing out this week. And he seems to, and you know, whenever he gets one, he seems to have somewhat of a penchant for the end zone. So I would say uh, Kendrick Bourne's the only wide receiver out of San Fran that that has value. You like Kendrick Bourne this week, Dave? Just curiously. Um, you know, I know Ayuk's a, a rookie, and they, they they won't have Kittle. Jordan Reed, obviously, probably going to be starting for San Francisco. But Bourne is the guy who's had the chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I've been watching a lot of the Bourne identity, and you know, I have too, actually. Lately. Yeah, so, me yeah, too. For some reason, it's top of mind. Yeah, I think I like Bourne. Yeah, Bourne. Yeah, you got to get Bourne. That's listen. Listen. That's that's what that the the Niners. Um, offensive uh, team, you know, Kyle Shanahan, everybody out there, they're having those meetings say, we need to find Bourne. Telling Garoppolo, <laughs> find Bourne on the field. Just don't kill him. Nick Just throw him Bourne. the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's moonlighting as a, as a college tight end in Paris right now, essentially, is what's going on. So, yes, Kendrick Bourne. The Bourne identity. Uh, look for him on the field early and often with the New York Jets on Sunday. Larry in Belmont, Mass. wants to know, Greg, how do you guys handle Devontae Parker this week? He got in three limited practices, so if he's active, do I play him? I know the matchup isn't exactly great. Good luck in week two. That is from Larry in Belmont Mask. And I'm trying to remember, I, I think it is a pretty bad um, uh, matchup uh, cornerback-wise if Parker is. Buffalo yeah, White. Tredavious White is who he's facing. Yeah. I uh, know I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch Tredavious White in that defense. Uh, you know, I, I, I expected Miami to come out a little more inspired like they did at the end of last season. Last week didn't really reflect that, but it's just a tough matchup and that injury. And, and so, no, I, I don't see a format I'd want to play him in. I mean, it all comes down to, to, to your roster. I mean, if you're, if you're that desperate at the position, it's, it's a matter of who else you got. But uh, I would say, uh, no, I would not be looking to start Parker anymore. Yeah, and, and I think the, 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 you know, the opposite uh, answer to that, well, if you're not playing Parker because he's on white, do you play Preston Williams? Well, I mean, I get that to an extent, but Dave, I just looked at the total on this game. It's 41, and in, now, in today's day and age, 41 is like the new 33. Yeah. There's going to be no points in that game, and, and I, just, I can't get on board with the Dolphins, even at home, uh, you know, Buffalo traveling south. I'm, I'm kind of awful. I'm going to have to start Preston Williams in a couple of leagues because of receiver injuries this week. Uh, but he's going to be in my flex. I, I don't. I don't. I have low expectations for that. Uh, we had high expectations ah. for this interview tonight, and and it, they have been met. But before we let Greg go into that good night, Dave, one more question for him. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Greg, uh, can you please give us? This is just for redraft only. A player that will be a bust in FFPC starting lineups this week, and also a sleeper that will be sitting on their benches, but they really should have started him. Ah, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> a bust for this week. Uh, 
how deep we talking? I would say like, um, well, I mean, we know that the receiver position has been hit pretty hard uh, in week two. So there's going to be some weird plays this week, but I would say like, you know, anything in the top 20 for running backs, I would say anything in, you know, top 20, top 25 receivers, you know, somebody that, 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 that is not, they're not really contemplating not starting this guy, but maybe they should. Uh, well, yeah, I did further than that, but I, I really am bullish on Michael Gallup this weekend, and uh, I don't know what it should be, but um, I, you know, something we've offered, what's his name over there on the other side, and uh, Mari Cooper, and I, I just feel like Gallup, they rely on a lot. I feel like it's a perfect game. It sets up perfectly against that atrocious secondary. And and I really expect Gallup to have a big game with a big point total in that game. And I think it's going to be Dak to Gallup for the big numbers. So that's my wide receiver that, that I think people should be starting. I also think there's a contrarian play a little bit with Robert Woods. I know he's going against Darius Slay, but um, I, I don't think you're going to see L.A. as effective on the ground this week. I think you're going to see a lot in the air. I'm very bullish on Robert Woods for the season for this week, regardless of matchup. Um, so so I think that's a bit of a contrarian play. I don't see, think you'll see a lot of ownership of Robert Woods because of the matchup, and I think that's a mistake. I think there's a, there's a game to be had. So those are two receivers I would look out for in a positive end. Um, in terms of a bus running back, I don't know how you started the show. Uh, you know, the, I, I really don't know how to handle and have some ownership of Connor, and I don't know how to handle that, that debacle there. So I'd like to stay away from it if at all possible. But the reality is you might have to, if you're a Connor owner and you invest in that kind of a pick, he may need to be started if it's that position or somewhere. Uh, but that whole situation puts me at uh, – had an uneasy little bit. Um, I'm interested to see, just, just interested, not, not not prospecting as much. I'm just interested to see a week two Zach Moss. I think that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, a week two Montgomery this week coming out and playing against the Giants. There's some guys I'm interested uh, in seeing how they uh, play in week two. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a good, interesting week two. Yeah, for sure. And and um, I like the Gallup call. I mean, 53 and a half on the total of that Falcons-Cowboys game. Get your Atlanta and Dallas players in there, especially Michael Gallup. Uh, I really love that call as well. And I really love this call tonight with, with you, of course, uh, Greg. This was a lot of fun. Uh, congratulations on being sixth place overall in the FFPC main event so far. Congratulations on your previous success, and, and good luck the rest of the way this season. It was uh, certainly a, a joy to have you on, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon, man. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. Easy E. Dizzle. Peace out. All right. right. There you go. Love it. From uh, Greg Mastretta tonight, the sixth place team in the FFPC main event joining us. Uh, Love it. Good stuff from him. And um, I'll tell you what, Dave, if if we ever um, win anything big uh, in fantasy football, um, even if it's a local league, probably booking Greg's company to uh, throw the party for us. And uh, the good part about him is if he does win the half-million-dollar grand prize, boom, built-in party, and he can write it off. 
That, that's so true. Hey, hey, Greg, um, I know you're working on the PGA Tour and <laughs> yes. the upcoming UFCs. But yeah, I know the Eagles. Uh, coming the, over to my house. Yeah, and- yeah, exactly. I know the Eagles won the Super Bowl this year. But can you put that aside and, and sort of just, you know, like me and my 11 jackass friends are throwing yeah. a party for me winning my league. And we hired DJ Rectangle to come in. Yeah. And spin. Yeah. I, I thought maybe we could, um, do, <laughs> do you have some sort of like, uh, James Taylor, uh, knockoff that, that, you know, artist that you could have come in and, but and then booking the gig too now. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Book him. And then we just need you to bring the crock pot with the nacho cheese over for, for everybody. And, <laughs> that sounds and actually more realistic. Yeah. Well, that's how my part that, that was like my the best party ever. James Taylor impersonator and uh, nacho cheese in the crock pot. Really? There really was one? Oh, James Taylor impersonator? Yeah. Oh, awesome. I, you have not lived until you've seen um, uh, some balding uh, 45-year-old guy do fire and rain in person. Oh, uh, you're right about that, yeah. buddy. A- ironically enough, the James Taylor impersonator, you know what his name was? Taylor James. P- pretty, pretty weird how that worked yeah, out. Yeah, very He yeah. was sort of born to do it. I would have to say so. Kendrick born to do it. All right, moving on to the emails tonight. Uh, let's get off the rails fast. Um, where are my, oh, they're right here. All right, uh, so let's get into some emails tonight. Um, try to help you out with some starter sits. Uh, Tom and Toledo, are we going to see more Dobbins again this week, guys? I'm contemplating just starting Mr. Floor in James White over Mark Ingram this week. That is Tom and Toledo. So I guess the, the, the decision comes down to James White or Mark Ingram, Dave, to give you the idea of who they're playing this week. Um, it is the Ravens going down to Texas to take on the Houston Texans. Total on that game is 50. Uh, and then the other one, James White, that is the Patriots, and they are playing Sunday night, I believe. Yeah, it's a Sunday night game at Seattle. Total on that game is 45. Who do you feel is the better start between James White and Mark Ingram? Was it Ingram or Dobbins? He's concerned that there's going to be more Dobbins this week, which is why he's oh. considering White over Ingram. Oh, I got it. Oh, that to me is to me it's a little bit easier. Actually, I, I prefer White over Ingram. Ingram didn't show anything last week, and uh, I fear that he may not show anything again this week. Really? Is it is it as, as the kids say, Dobbins season? I mean, right could, now it very well could the be. fourth string running back according to the Baltimore depth chart. If you're betting on Dobbins. Hey, any of that, you know, that could be the case. So yeah. I was talking about this on one of my local fantasy shows. How bittersweet it was for me. Um, to have Dobbins on my teams and to see him score those two touchdowns in week one, nobody's on by, nobody's hurt. So I didn't play Dobbins in any of my leagues. And yet those points, you can't get them back. It was frustrating to see. Yeah, no, I agree with you actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's annoying. nice you know, to kind of affirm the pick for you a little bit. A little bit. And, and I have him on a couple of dynasty teams. So I know that uh, the future of my backfield is in good hands uh, as well. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick. The other thing about Ingram is he always has the danger of Lamar Jackson rushing it in. So, uh, you know, James, I mean, James White, it's a, he's a different type of back, but I mean, there, there's always the danger. That, and if Ingram doesn't score a touchdown, he's had games last year where he didn't need to score a TD, but he was like the only game in town at running back. So that's not the case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they had the Justice Hill and yeah, just a bunch of Benny Jones, Hill and Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards, Edwards and yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gus Edwards James so Taylor, of course. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, both Edwards and Hill technically are ahead of Dobbins on the depth chart, although I haven't seen it for week two, so maybe they, they flip-flop a little bit. Uh, uh, guy wants to know in the, uh, the chat room, Ingram a sleeper this week? You would be saying no. Uh, for me, no. For me, he is. I'll I say mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that – I mean, I guess it depends on your defining sleeper. A person that could outperform expectations, I guess that is – if that's how you're defining it, sure. So 
I guess I don't. I think he stays asleep though, from my perspective, and you know, so that's where I'm at. What's the percentage chance, in your opinion? Ah, this is kind of a leading question. Um, uh, they've been they've been here before. It's okay. You can yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll ask you then. Um, at what point? I mean, because we know Dobbins is the future of the Baltimore backfield. Does it happen this season where he is just the? I don't want to say bell cow, but the line, getting the lion's share of touches. And if so, when do you think that happens? Is it as early as October? I mean, not necess- you know, really not necessarily. It could just go flipping back and forth. And you could actually – Throughout get, the whole season. You could get whipsawed on Ingram. So if all of a sudden you'd start him you know, week one, now you bench him, and now he's a 15-point game. And then you start him again, he has a five-point game. Yeah. I mean, that, again, that, was, that happened with me with Mike Sims-Walker a number of years ago, and uh, it's the worst well, experience well, ever. Oh, yeah, because I you weren't I'm, playing the other Jaguars receiver. You are just playing him or sitting him. Right, and I, and I was always wrong. Every time there was like yeah. ten weeks in a row, I got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, that happens. I mean, it's it's frustrating for sure. But it, it, receiver, it's a little bit more volatile. Um, at least you know with Ingram, there there he is going to have the opportunity to make plays because he's going to get touches. Are they high value touches? Eh, maybe not so much. And and he has to have Dobbins uh, right behind him. But I, I think that um, that you if you own Ingram or Dobbins, quite frankly. Prepare yourself for some maddening results this year because I think they're coming from Baltimore. Jerry in Charlotte. Hey, Balky and Dave, I know Darius Slayton showed out on Monday Night Football, but Paris Campbell showed out in week one as well. I can only play one. Who do I go with, guys? Thanks so much. That's Jerry in Charlotte. We talked about Slayton earlier in the show. We have not talked about Paris Campbell uh, thus far, Dave. Um, Just as a reminder, the New York Giants are at Chicago this week. Total on that game is a mere 42. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts this week, uh, fresh off their loss, are taking on the Minnesota Vikings at home. Total on that game is 49. I know Paris Campbell had seven catches last week, but Darius Slayton had two touchdowns. What say you as far as which one you're playing this week? I don't think you can bench Slayton after such a hot start like that. I think you just have to play Slayton. I mean, because if 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 you bench him and he has another two touchdowns, you're a total idiot. Because he had two touchdowns, and you bench the guy. Yeah, now you got four touchdowns on your bench for the season. Yeah, I mean, if you if whether you start him or not, week one. But if you didn't start him week one, and now uh, I mean, again, there's a whipsaw danger. But I I think you know, what did Campbell have like seven for seventy nine or something like that? No touchdowns. Campbell was I think seven for seventy two. No touchdowns. Yeah. And he's not a he's not a red zone type guy, just generally speaking. So I think you you roll with Slayton, and you know, Greg thinks he's a star. So hey, there you go. That is true. He does. Although it doesn't sound like Jack Doyle is playing this week. Um, he didn't practice at all this week, and and, and so I, what? Who's the red zone guy on that team? Um, I guess there is none because Hilton's not it. Um, Mo Alley Cox is not it. Jonathan Taylor maybe. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor right now with Marlon Mack out for the season? Do you like Jonathan Taylor as a a slam dunk start every week now? Yeah, I do absolutely. What about the Naheem, Naheem Hines factor? I think he'll get some catches and some targets. You know, he is their third down back, but it's, uh, I think it's the Jonathan Taylor show. I think they want to keep him in there. He's by far the superstar that they drafted yep. to be a superstar, and Naheem Hines is definitely not that guy. Um, I think Cecil Lammy pointed this out on one of the Football Guys podcasts this week. Jonathan Taylor had more catches in week one than he did pretty much his last season at Wisconsin. He had six or 62, and that was the big question, right? Right. Whether Taylor could pass pro or you know, do any kind of pass pro and then catch balls in the backfield. The answers are resounding yes and yes again to both those questions. Fire up Jonathan Taylor. All those people – that drafted Jonathan Taylor in the early third, the late second, Dave, they're being rewarded this week. And all those people, and this is always so funny with fantasy Twitter, all those people who lamented, um, you know, like, that's such a stupid pick, and now they're being rewarded for their stupidity. I hate it, you know. And it's, it's not even – I don't think they believe that. I think they're just like, 
damn it, I should have been the guy picking them there. You know, it shouldn't yes. have been those idiots. That's the, the sour grapes tweets yes. all over the interwebs. Absolutely. Uh, with uh, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> well, always good to see a former Badger doing well. We'll see if he can actually uh, sustain that value going forward. A couple more emails before we get out of here tonight. John in Dallas. What's up, fellas? I feel we are destined to answer this question at least once per year until the end of time on the show. Which Iowa tight end am I going with this week? Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson? Thank you for the email, John in Dallas. Dave, this week, uh, Noah Fant, uh, fresh off his performance uh, on uh, Monday Night Football, is taking on the, as I try to find it here, my computer is failing. I apologize. This is terrible radio. Broncos are taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh, Dave. Total in that game, 40 and a half. Wow, some low totals this week. And then you have the Lions, who are taking on the Green Bay fighting Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field. Total in that game, 49 and a half. Is it as simple as saying, oh, Hawkinson, 10 more points going to be scored in that game. Give me Hawkinson over Fant. I I think there's that. And there's also the chance that, you know, Pittsburgh just beats beats Denver like 26 to 7 or something like that. Whereas, where you're throwing, throwing, throwing. Well, I mean, and you're getting the crap kicked out of it. You're not scoring at all, and you and effectively you just get shut down by by the Pittsburgh defense. Where I don't, I don't think the Packers defense is good enough to just totally shut the Lions down. Yeah. The Lions offense is pretty solid, so I, I think that will be actually be a fairly, you know, somewhat close game. It should be actually an entertaining offensive game, and I think Hawkinson will be involved. All right, so a couple of things on this. I, I think I agree with you on Fant, and how many times have we seen it? And we saw it last week, quite frankly, with the Packers and Vikings, forty-three, thirty-four. By the way. First time in NFL history, Dave, a game finished with the final score of 43-34, Packers-Vikings last week. Um, so That's the, wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, Packers dominated that game, and Minnesota got back into it when Green Bay went into the prevent. Well, what happens when you go to the prevent? All that stuff over the middle they're going to let you have. Well, who do they throw to over the middle in Detroit? T.J. Hawkinson. Kenny Galladay has already been ruled out. Marvin Jones is the deep threat. All the underneath stuff should go to Hawkinson. And Amendola. And Amendola. That's yeah. a good point. He had like five for 50-something last week. He got in the end zone. Hawkinson did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's a lot to be said for, for T.J. Hawkinson. And by the way, Green Bay, never been quite stalwart in defending the tight ends. Yeah, they don't throw them and they don't defend them. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to tell them the tight ends are a part of the football game. And I think Green Bay was going to the Super Bowl then at that point. All right, final email of the night. Adam in Los Angeles. I went super old with my quarterback tandem this year. Am I better off playing Big Ben over Breeze with no Michael Thomas in week two. Your podcast is my absolute fave, and it's not close. Well, thank you so much, Adam in Los Angeles. we got a fan in La La Land. Appreciate that uh, from you, my friend. Okay, so the Steelers, we already just talked about this, Dave. They're taking on Denver this week. They get them at home. Total in that game is 40-and-a-half. Drew Brees fresh off his defeat of the Tampa Fighting Bradys uh, this week. I believe Are they a Monday night game? Yeah, they are a Monday night game. They take on the Raiders. In Las Vegas on Monday Night Football, what are your feelings on starting Roethlisberger over Breeze? Is that the right call? I think I got to start Breeze. I mean, he had kind of a not super game last week, but I think I'm still starting him. I know Michael Thomas is out. He's going to find other guys to throw to, and plus, under the lights, he's going to shine. I mean, that's I, true. I just I don't see him. You've said that a lot about Breeze over the years in the primetime game. He generally does. I mean, yeah. there's been games where he sucks, but I mean, generally does. And again, Big Ben, they may not have to throw the ball. That might be the Benny Snell show. Well. Connor is sitting on the sidelines. Or maybe Anthony McFarlane, just to throw us a, a total curveball. Sure. Um, you like Emmanuel Sanders then this week too, right? As a flex? Got to yeah, play yeah, him. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think uh, you have to play him. I, he's, like, he's like a top 30 guy for me this week. Um, 
He, and and I, I said this, I, I was doing a radio spot um, uh, for a radio station in Eau Claire, which is on the western side of Wisconsin to, uh, on Thursday. And I said this, you know, there's not a lot of chemistry between Breeze and Sanders, but you know what they have? A lot of experience, and they're both professionals, and they're going to find a way to get it done. So I'm not too concerned with these guys never sharing the, the battlefield for long periods of time like Breeze and Thomas. I think, they're good. I think Sanders is like – seven for 70 and maybe a 50% chance at a touchdown. I think Jared Cook's going to go off too. Jared Cook is another great start this week. I love him. Yeah. And you know who else I love in New Orleans? And I'm going to love him till the, till the end of the season for sure. Mr. Alvin Kamara. Oh, that's a good gonna, choice. Top he, three guy. Well, I mean, but I, but okay. For what it's worth, I was the one saying I was going to take him over you Ezekiel did. Elliott, yeah. you know, this year. And, and by the way, it wasn't a great week one. I mean, he had the two touchdowns, but rushing yards, he had like 20 rushing yards or something and like Elliot that. Elliot scored 28 fantasy points. Elliot was great. Yeah. Uh, they're both great. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. Everyone's great. <laughs> Everyone's great unless they're hurt, which is uh, a lot of receivers this week. So Godspeed if you are missing any receivers. I know I'm digging deep into the well of wideouts this week, trying to find somebody who can uh, quench my thirst as I bring that bucket to the top of the uh, of the ground uh, and and try to get some some wins this week in week two for the games are uh, for the, my teams that suffered in week one. Uh, that is in for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank uh, Greg Mastretta for hanging out with us tonight, the sixth place team in the FFPC main event. Godspeed to him going forward. Uh, special happy birthday not only to Jimmy Wagner, who we uh, we talked about on Pros vs Joes uh, this year. We had him on the high stakes lowdown uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Farrell Elliott, belated happy birthday to him as well, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner, our good buddy, celebrated a birthday on, what was it, Sunday, Saturday, this past week? Mm. It was this past weekend, I know. I think it was Saturday. Yeah. So happy belated to Farrell Elliott as well. Uh, thanks to Dave Gerzak, the FFPC. Oh, Farrell Elliott. Yeah, go ahead. His uh, combined main event in football guys teams, he's 8-1 and one right now. So no we, way. We have to throw him a little shout-out. How out about to that? Congratulations, Farrell. Okay, as long it's as you're – It's all downhill from okay, here. So I know that part of the brains of that operation is Justin McCord, former Kentucky overall champion. Uh, so I'll throw him some, uh, some love too as well uh, with the Elliott and McCord train. Hop on now because it is flying down the tracks after week one. Eight and one. That's incredible. I want to thank uh, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for listening tonight. Uh, we're going to be back next week at 10, 9 Central. Pair of high-stakes lowdowns on rotoviz.com slash podcast coming out. Chris Birchby, who's third place in the Football Guys Players Championship, as well as next Thursday, Mike Foresta, who also has a top 30 team in the FFPC main event. Look for that, rotoviz.com slash podcast, or anywhere you get podcasts. 10, 9 Central on Friday. Good luck in week two. Uh, hopefully the ball bounces your way, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Your weekend officially starts now. This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, because I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs no matter how far I throw them. Dave, this is such a great, positive, happy show. Let's end it on a downer. All right. Um, Saints have a bye in week six. What week does Michael Thomas come back from his high ankle sprain? Uh, seven.
Is that, do you honestly believe that? I know I was leading you into that, but yeah, I actually do. I mean, high ankle sprains take you know four to six weeks. Generally speaking, he may be a fast healer. I know he was talking about trying to play through it, but I knew that was a, like a total joke. I don't want him. To, I I own him in one my best team I drafted this year. He was my number one pick. I don't want him to play through it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you want I, to come back and get healthy instead of just totally sucking all year. Yes, exactly. Like I normally do on this podcast, so <laughs> I'm going to take the next. I'm going to take. I'm going to take the next six days off, people, right. and I promise you, I will be better next Friday at 10:9 Central. Thanks for listening. Good to be back. Enjoy your weekend.